Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. And my wife told me I'm a jerk because I yelled at Quentin and Tommy for a high five, and she's like, oh, they're having fun. And I'm, you know, just like, you know, there was not too long ago, you guys were asking me about all the close losses. Like, oh, the close losses, the close, lo- the close losses come from reacting instead of having a process. Like, this is what we do. We do this. We do this. And just do it even when you think it's stupid. So when I see Emmett and Jalen do that, I'm proud because it's like, hey, they're just doing what we do, not making a decision. Should I do it now? Should I not do it then? And it, to me, like, we've gone from talking about close losses to ugly 31-14 wins. Now, we, this could be a close loss this week, so we have to fight the fight of the process. And that's, that's um, and the, the process sounds so stupid, but it's just really just doing what we're supposed to do. Kicking off hour number three here on Herd Out Sports Radio as we wait for our friend Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7 Sports. I want to tell you about our friends at the War Horse Sportsbook. Andrew, I've got some exciting news for you. Do you? About the War Like, actually exciting news. Are you ready? I'm already smiling because Ken brought up the hard, rock-hard popcorn balls. Oh, the popcorn balls are the worst. <laughs> I just lost it. Just the worst. Those were the things that instantly hit the trash can. Yeah. Andrew was giving those away to charity faster than he could get them into his his bag here. Uh, no, but our, our our friends at Warhorse Sportsbook, you've known for a while. You can go down to the casino in Lincoln, mm-hmm. place your sure. bets. Sure, sure, sure. There's a place you can go in Omaha now to place your bets. Horseman's Park Warhorse Sportsbook is now open at Horseman's Park in Omaha, 6303 Q Street. Guys, guys, breaking news. Game changer here. We got you covered in Lincoln at the casino. The casino in Omaha is being built, but until then, you can go to the Warhorse Sportsbook at Horseman's Park, 6303 Q Street in Lincoln. Total game changer. That's not that far from your house, man. That's right down the street. I'm going today. You are in uh, good shape and there. And I like Sportsman's Park. Yeah, Horseman's Park is great. It is. Did uh, I say Sportsman's Park? Yeah, you did. Park. It's okay. I knew what you meant. I was looking at Sportsbook <laughs> on here. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Horseman's Park. So that is a super exciting uh, development with our friends at the Warhorse Sportsbook. Uh, you can go, like I said, to Lincoln or to Horseman's Park in Omaha to place your wagers. It's the best place in Nebraska, regardless of which location you go to, uh, to place your sports bets. You go to the, They've got plenty of kiosks, plenty of tellers. You can build your bets on the app, take it to one of those locations, scan the QR code, and place that bet in person. They've got straight bets, parlays, props, live in-game bets, all are accepted. Make sure you check out the Warhorse Casino app and warhorsecasino.com slash sportsbook for all uh, the details and a full list of house rules. Warhorse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. Joining us now on that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is our guy Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, what's going on, man? Well, not uh, not a ton. I was listening to you talk about uh, the the Warhorse Sportsbook, and I was wondering should I just go bet against the Vikings the rest of the the <laughs> year every game? I think you should. Just yeah, bet against Jaron Hall. I or would Nick Mullins. Uh, man, listen, this is, this is my life now. I'm no, very no. familiar with the Nick Mullins experience from San Francisco, <laughs> and I gotta say, you're not gonna enjoy it. 
Yeah, I uh, I've spent a little bit too much time in the last two days just searching Colt McCoy Vikings on Twitter, <laughs> just just looking for the breadcrumbs, and that tells you where I'm at. That's where you're at Colt mentally McCoy and emotionally. A, yeah, I mean Colt McCoy's an upgrade, so uh, you know that's that's where we're at. Shafe, what about Trey Lance? I kind of like the idea of Trey Lance. Well, he's already been traded once. Like if they had done that move earlier, um, you know, then that obviously would set up where Trey Lance would be your guy, but I don't think anyone in Minnesota believed that he's he's destined to be anything more than sort of a gadget quarterback, and so they just stayed away from that one. Uh, Shafe, we were talking before you came on here about our favorite Halloween candies. Mm. Uh, quick hierarchy <laughs> for you. Uh, how, how you feel? If you're, if you're a kid, you're in your Halloween bag, what are you most excited to see? What are you least excited to see? Um, I... I don't know that I liked it as much as a kid as I do in an adult now. Fair enough. Twix has moved really high up the. Uh, I'm a big Twix guy. The, I am a big yeah. Twix guy. It's it's moved high up the uh, the candy chart. I'm I'm definitely more chocolate over like the Starburst Skittles stuff. Mm, uh, okay. I would I would give Skittles away to to anyone. My brother was a big <laughs> Skittles person, so we would. You know, Part of the fun when you were young was orchestrating these trades after with your candy, like, <laughs> like accumulating all of the candy that you like and giving away the ones that you don't. Um, I, you know, and so with that being said, I'm I was good with a lot of the stuff. I mean, obviously, didn't like the house where they were giving you the apple. Um, didn't appreciate the dentist house where they gave away the little floss mm, in no. addition to giving you candy. Like even at the age of like seven, you realize that they're guilting you into your decision making you're like i'm when they're giving you little her, tiny yeah. floss to go with it they you know they think it's cute and funny but really what it is it's, it's horrifying nobody likes floss nobody <laughs> likes to floss nobody likes to floss so. no it's it's uh, rude it's terrible to do yeah that i mean i i think for me mostly like any of the chocolates i was good with like okay. I'm, a, I'm a fat guy like clearly was <laughs> you know started when i was a kid you're just big boned uh, yeah. according to Cartman from South Park, right? Um, no. So, Shave, <laughs> we'll keep it on the candy train here. If you were ranking the Big Ten West teams according to where, where, they, um, like, where they match up with candy, okay, rank the Big Ten West teams for me with their partner candy. Well, I don't know that any of them can be – like elite candies, you know, like they they all have to be lower on the scale. There's no Reese's so peanut like, butter cup in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no Reese's, <laughs> there's no Twix, there's no Snickers. Um, you know, like for me personally, the worst team probably in the Big Ten West is probably Purdue. Um, you know, it's hard. Like you could go different directions there, but they would they would probably be the almond joy of the Big Ten West for me. Um, I don't. I don't feel joy when I see the almond joy, um, you know, and then like I, the, the more teams towards the top, like, let's say, let's say you feel like Iowa is the best team in the big 10 West. I'm not sure why you would, but let's say you feel that way. That's like a three musketeers, you know, like you can eat it. You're not like fired up to eat it, but it's, it's there. Milky way for like Wisconsin seems like that's a decent fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just these the the lower end candies, if you will. What's Nebraska, Nebraska can be a baby Ruth. Ooh, okay, baby Ruthie. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, baby Ruth. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> not one bit. You don't. Nobody wants to be a baby Ruth. I'll try to be a Twix. But does out baby here. Ruth ever win? <laughs> well, 
I'm just saying, like nobody, nobody in the Big Ten West gets to be a good candy bar. That's the rule. <laughs> that's I think that's fair. Um, Shafe, as we <laughs> before we get into Nebraska, Michigan State, I, what have you made about this whole uh, situation with Brian Ferentz and Iowa? The way it's played out. I mean, I think we all kind of assumed that there was an inevitable end to this relationship, but um, are you surprised at when or how it actually happened? Um, I am a little surprised that it's happened. I mean, he's been shielded from having to face legitimate criticism or legitimate, you know, pushback against what has happened with Iowa's offense for not just like a year or two, but for quite some time. I mean, it's, it's obvious that they don't have the answers to, to build an offense there. You know, you can debate whether, they have done a good job identifying talent and, and all of that, but clearly they're able to find these tight ends and develop them. Uh, it's just odd to me that they cannot figure out an offensive system um, in any way, shape, or form. Like, what? how would you even describe Iowa's offense to somebody? Like, it's not good, um, but that's not – you you like, it's not like a West Coast offense. They're not really a battering ram, run it down – like, that's more Minnesota – Iowa is just this sort of weird kind of like 50-50 runs a couple plays, then decides to, to you know, run a few other different – like I, I just don't know how I would describe them. Like I, they're just not – there's not any hallmarks to what they do other than they're not good at anything that they try for the most part. I mean, even just five years ago, 2019, um, you know, they felt like there was a little bit more like power emphasis in that offense when they had Nate Stanley and that was like a solid quarterback for him. Mm-hmm. But that's probably how far back you have to go to when they were at least okay on offense. They've been in the dredges of the NCAA, you know, a team rankings for a while now on offense and it's it's not good. Shafe, Michigan State um, also in that state of not good right now. Uh, they lost five in a row. They're dealing with an interim head coach. They put things on the scoreboard that shouldn't be on the scoreboard. There are just every, – everything's going wrong with the Spartans. They don't even know what quarterback is starting for that team this week. So if you're Nebraska, how confident are you in just your overall game plan to know that – this seems like the most likely week to get that sixth win and get into bowl eligibility. Yeah, I, I sometimes I wondered if, if Rule's comments reflect like how he wants to maintain their focus. Like, you know, he was talking about how they didn't play as well against Purdue when he put the film back on. Some of that felt like messaging to the players like, hey, there's still a lot of work to do. You can still put your best game out there. There's a long way to go for us as a program and for you as a player. Like some of it felt like that to me because you have a week here where I don't know that anyone feels like Michigan state is going to show up and give an a game effort on Saturday. I mean, I, they feel like a program that's quit or largely quit to me. Now it becomes a, a matter of individual players trying to do the best that they can uh, for their own individual situations while the collective just sort of struggles. And I think the dangerous part of that recipe, if you're a team like Nebraska, where, you know, you can have a bad day offensively and ruin your chances of winning like you have to come out there with the same focus that you had for Purdue, for Northwestern, for Illinois. It can't flip because you feel like, okay, you're supposed to go win this game. And I think, you know, Vegas and, and everyone else is sort of wondering, does Nebraska have the mentality that they could just go and show up and play? I mean, they've won their last three games by 13, 8, and 17, uh, but they're only favored by, a, what, a field goal right mm-hmm. now at uh, East Lansing. So there's some doubt, and I think uh, – I think 
rule would be wise to try to rein that focus and and maintain it because if Nebraska comes out and they play hard in the first quarter, Michigan State will go away fast. And but you, if you don't come out and you don't play hard, you give them all the reason to to come together as a team and rally against you. Then I think Nebraska could lose that game too. Shafe, how much concern do you have that Nebraska? doesn't come out focused the way that they need to in order to win this game against Michigan State because I know in years past that's been a legitimate concern and there's some of that I feel like that's residual with the fan base but you know whether it's Illinois or Northwestern or Purdue it seems like Nebraska's done a pretty good job of staying locked in against these so-called inferior or beatable opponents Um, I guess what level of concern do you have that that actually might be an issue? You know, it's wild. The only game this year where it started, where it felt like, okay, Nebraska is a little bit of slow coming out of the gates was that Illinois game where they drove all the way down to like the, with the half inch line. Yeah. Before um, the goal line, you know, stand. and then it, it felt like that stand, that stop basically just lifted Nebraska for the rest of the game. And in the way it started, I, I even sent a text to, to, to another media member and I was like, this does not look good. You know, as Illinois is just marching through on that first possession. So I think for the most part, they've been able to, to show up and, and play and meet the the energy of a team. Obviously, Michigan went right down the field and scored. Uh, but I, I think they will show up at, at Michigan State, but I always get a little bit worried. And part of it is, like, everything is relatively new for this group of Nebraska players. Like, managing success is new. Mm-hmm. Winning streaks of, like, three games is new for this program for quite some time. Um, and so to be able to manage all those expectations and weigh that against an opponent where, you know, they hear stuff like they're supposed to win this game. They're supposed to be bowl eligible by 2.30 central time in Nebraska and everyone's expecting that. And so they have to figure out how to guard against that kind of letdown, that kind of slow start, that kind of expectation as you've been winning, um, because that's the difficult think about it like you get in your head you think you're going to go win this game you show up you don't play a good start you allow Michigan State to hang in so I I think they will show up and I I don't know that this is going to be a huge problem but I feel like it's a focus point for Matt Rule early on in the week. Shafe I know we complimented the open field tackling last week but can we sing its praises one more time I mean yeah my goodness I asked Ravi last week how this def how does this defense go from good to elite are we seeing that take form quicker than expected with the addition of the takeaways from this past weekend i think we're seeing individual pieces continue to develop and grow as players as we're watching them in real time i mean i like obviously tommy hill had the two interceptions but i thought his play on that two-point conversion to bat that away in what wasn't you know the biggest part of the game but if they get that it becomes a a two-score game you know it becomes a little bit more interesting and he's able to bat that away, maintain it at a three-score game rate. It's just a great diving effort. And, like, those are the sort of individual moments, like seeing that out of him, seeing guys like I, – I feel like we see Jamari Butler, even if it's not necessarily resulting in sacks, some of the stuff that he is able to accomplish and do, and, like, we're watching him develop as players. So I think some of the next step just occurs as natural development and reps and, and playing time happens for some of these guys. And then they, they can continue to get, you know, good, solid play from seniors and from freshmen. I mean, wasn't it a combination of Van Poppel and Reimer that helped chase them out short of the, the, the yard to gain on the fourth down attempt there um, towards midfield? I mean, they're just getting guys that are making plays 
and doing it across whether they're freshmen to seniors now you're getting good development in game in season um you know and they're catching teams at the right time like i i I wouldn't be surprised they have a great week against michigan state i wouldn't be surprised if they really cause issues for a maryland team that doesn't look anywhere what we thought they were three weeks ago Shafe, I want to change gears on you here a little bit and talk some recruiting as there's been uh, some developments. Obviously, uh, big Nebraska commit Carlon Jones got an offer from Ohio State. How concerned are you about him and his uh, his commitment status to Nebraska? Uh, I'm I'm mildly concerned. I mean, he really likes Nebraska. He really likes Terrence Knighton. I think if he were to stick, it's partly because of that. Bryce mm-hmm. Turner, a teammate of his, is up here, uh, signed with last year's class. Um, and I I would think it would take a team like a Texas um, okay. or, you know, an Alabama or even an Ohio State to really put the doubt in there. And, I mean, Larry Johnson is as good of a defensive line coach as there is in the country. Ohio State's one of the, what, three best programs, four best programs in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I you could extend it out to five if you really want to argue split hairs. Um, they're at least in that, like, one and a half tier, I guess, if you will, if they're not quite in the one tier. So um, it's a huge opportunity. And what it tells me more than anything is people are starting to look at Nebraska's commitment list and seeing some guys that are maybe a little bit light in terms of the recruiting ranking mm-hmm. but the film tells them that these guys can play and Carlin Jones is one of them I mean, he's my favorite player in the class like that's if we're doing the super six right now that's my number one so uh Carlin Jones really really talented player I get um you know Davis twins with maybe have a little bit more upside from him just the way that he is kind of freakish athleticism I think he'd be an interior guy uh, he, you know, with the three, three, five, he's probably playing a little bit of everywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm not surprised that a bigger team came in. I'm a little surprised it's Ohio state. I've been expecting an A&M or a, uh, a Texas offer, uh, more than I was expecting Ohio state on Monday night. Shafe, uh, stick with recruiting here. How do you think, uh, Nebraska being a winning team at this point in the season impacts those recruits that have been on the fringe or a little borderline most of the year, like the Grant Brickses of the world? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a huge deal if you're 24s because I think more than anything, they just wanted to see Matt Rule's team in action. Mm-hmm. And now you get the win, so it, it kind of backs up a little bit of it. But at this point, a lot of the, uh, you know, let me, let me use a, a farming analogy. A lot of the hay is in the barn already for the 2024 class. Um, so there's not – probably not a lot that you're going to gain necessarily from that. Now the transfer portal hmm. being able to, to, to come back in, in mid December and you're talking to guys that are in the portal and you can point to the fact that you go seven and five or eight and four in Matt rules first year and did it with all of these backup players and a weird backdrop of circumstances and yada, yada, yada. I think that could be particularly effective because it looks like Nebraska's on, on the upswing. Same for 25s and 26s. I mean, they had several 25s in, uh, this last weekend, and uh, you really want to start getting the ball rolling with that. They have guys like Alex Mansky that they would love to have as their quarterback commit that might be making a decision here in December. And if Nebraska goes eight and four in their first year, and he already likes everything else about everything, uh, and the quarterback room is relatively unresolved for a guy even in 2025 class, sure, that's a selling point. So there's a lot there for Nebraska. Uh, Shafe, another uh, recruit committed this weekend in Jackson Lee, kind of an under-the-radar guy from Texas. 
Um, you know, you kind of look at his offer list, and it it looks like a lot of the offer lists of some of the guys Nebraska has offered where there's a clear jump from where they had to the Nebraska offer. Um, what do you know about Jackson Lee? And um, do, do guys like Carlin Jones kind of make you feel better about the evaluations where it's like, hey, we were just on this guy early and some other teams caught up? Yeah, I. so part of it, I've always kind of felt like they must have some kind of secret sauce because they're on the front edge of a lot of recruits that end up um, picking up more offers and they were down at Baylor. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised that we're seeing that. I, I think a lot of it um, to me, especially with a Carlin Jones is sometimes it just takes, you know, you have thousands of recruits around the country. You're not having, if you don't for Ohio state, if you don't have someone who knows the Bay city, Texas area, which Mm -hmm. is not a big city, you're going to probably miss on that until you've got an analyst doubling back through big 10 classes just to see what everybody else has mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's how they found them. So, um, you know, I think that, let me get speaks to their evaluation skills. I think we're sort of seeing that uh, throughout. And then you have a guy like Jackson Lee, who a lot like uh, JD crisp or Braylon Prude or Callum Barta or Landon Davidson or Jake Peters, all of these guys, Nebraska is taking commitments from and a couple of them have left the class. Uh, you know, it's it's a bet on what they're seeing on film. This is senior film that they really like. This is kind of your Eric Fields guy of, of last year's class. Mm. People are, are very excited about. He's one of those freshmen that hasn't completely hit his stride, but I think he's been a little banged up and his playing time has been a little uh, hit or miss. But I, I think it's a lot like that. Great 40 time for a linebacker, 4-6, 4-5 sometimes. Uh, good shuttle with a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, he's just an explosive athlete, and I think they want to see what they can do. Um, putting him in the the second level and letting him run around. I mean, he's kind of like a uh, Makai Bear, if you will. When you're facing a team that's a little bit more spread oriented, he can cover the slot receivers a little. He can help you with the running backs and the tight ends a lot. And so I, I think the athleticism is why they're taking the the plunge on Jackson Lee. Shaved. Let's go back to uh, this roster. This team uh, got about two minutes left. Based on what you've seen and what you've what you heard from Coach Rule yesterday. Um, I, I think it's safe to say Emmett Johnson is the clear-cut RB1 going forward, but my question to you is should he be treated as the workhorse and get more than 13 carries a game like we saw last game, or it, can that even be possible with the offense that they run at Nebraska and your leading rusher be your quarterback? Yeah, I just I don't know that they're going to do enough where it's just turn around and hand it off to, to Emmett Johnson. Like I just think there's so many option plays in there that it's – kind of dependent on what the quarterback makes decision-wise in the moment for those carries to really start to tally up. Now, if they change things and it just turns into a drop back, hand it off more, I think Emma Johnson can have 20 carries in a game and be fine. I don't, I wouldn't go a whole lot more than that. I certainly wouldn't look for what we saw with, out of Minnesota with 40 carries for, for their number five or number six running back uh, <laughs> last weekend. So I don't, I don't think that's coming for Emmett Johnson, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we could have 17 to 22 touches like that. That seems like a good range, and that should include uh, receptions too. I'd like to see him get him going out of the backfield, uh, throwing the ball, let him work in space a little bit. Uh, Shave, get you out of here real quick on this as we look ahead to Michigan State this week. Uh, you mentioned just being focused and concentrated on Michigan State probably being the key for you. Is there anything on the field that you're looking for specifically as a key against Michigan State? Um, not, not especially. I'd like to see the offense just come out and start to play clean. I mean, everybody would like, I I guess so ball security would be something you would like to see, uh, take care of the ball. Let's see a game where you get out of there with less than, uh, 
like let's say less than two takeaway or turnovers, excuse me, um, because that's been an issue for him. So I think ball security is is one of those things. And then I'd like to see if they can develop some other sort of big plays that don't stem exactly from the the option pass. I love the option pass. I hope it's there every week. Um, but they've got to be able to find some other ways to get the ball down the field in the passing game that isn't specifically derived off the option. That's Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, we appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. You're the man. Coming up next, we've got more for that Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm a huge fan of that pocket square. <laughs>